Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is brought to you by Masters of Photography, online masterclasses with the greatest photographers in the world. We'll have a special offer for you on Masters of Photography courses later in the show. This week, we'd like to welcome a guest, Rick LePage. Rick is a photographer, writer, and publisher. Rick, thanks for joining us. Sure. Great to be here. Thanks. Jeff and I have both known Rick in one way or another. He's one of these people who's been in the circle of people who write about Macs and Apple products. Rick and I have never met. Jeff has known Rick very well. Rick, you do a lot of writing about photography, and we wanted to get you on the show today because you know something about an element of photography that we don't really know a lot about. A few months ago, I decided that I wanted to print some of my photos. And the idea that when you look at your photos on the screen, there's a big difference because the light's coming from behind them. Then when you have the photos on paper, you're looking at them and you're getting reflected light. And, and there's, a, there's a reality to the photos that are printed. So I bought one of these mid-range Canon PIXMA A3 printers. Cost about 180 pounds. So, you know, a pretty decent printer. And I started printing some of my photos. And it's really interesting. But the problem is I'm stuck there's all this stuff you have to do about soft proofing and adjusting things. And you can't just like click print and get things to print. So for people who do want to print their photos, can you walk us through what's necessary in order to get to the stage where you can actually print photos and not be flummoxed by the whole thing? Can we start also with why? Why print your photos? Because I'm... I know this seems like a really basic, basic question, but there's a lot of people who give advice that say, you know, oh, you should absolutely print your photos. And I have to admit, I do not really print my photos very often. So clearly I am a bad photographer. So why would you print photos? Because everything's on a screen now, right? Everything's on the screen, but it it's like, why read books? I mean, there is something beautiful and tangible in a photographic print. Okay, whether it's a snapshot or it's a piece of fine art, there's something that's just lovely about it. I mean, I have all sorts of little just four by sixes that I've strewn about my house and my office. I put photos on the wall. I rotate them in and out because I, I love that feeling you get from seeing a print come out of a printer and going, wow, I made that. Um, so that's that's why I would print um, I get that some people are fine with this is what we have in, you know, th that our world today is electronic and we're going to be looking at screens. Um, I'll tell you one other and I'll keep trying to keep this as short as possible. One other thing about the print to me is it creates an emotional connection with a group, whether it's your family, your friends. I mean, yeah, you can share things on Facebook, but I can't tell you the number of memorial services that I've gone to in the past decade where groups of people would sit around going through a basket of photographs and talking about things. And you get an emotional connection with that that you don't get by sliding across your phone or your iPad or, or looking at things on Instagram, either on your computer or on your phone. Um, so that's why I would say print. Well, one thing about Facebook and Instagram is that your photos are decontextualized. They are, they, they are drowned in a feed of other things. And it may be a Facebook feed of political memes and cat photos. It may be an Instagram feed with a variety of color, black and white, artistic, 
boring, et cetera, photos. Whereas when you have your own prints, you are controlling the context. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. Getting to how do you get great prints from your printer today? They actually, I actually think people try to make it too complicated. Um, I think that, again, you, you know, I tend to view the photographic world in two ways. One is sort of the snapshot, the everyday, the, I, this is a statement about something that happened in my life or whatever. Um, and then there's sort of the art print. And those are two very different things. You talked about soft proofing. I, I wouldn't even start with the idea of soft proofing. The, one of the things that that printing is so different, I think, from let's go out with our digital camera, take some stuff, look at the stuff on the back of the screen, then look at it on our computer. Um, people expect that when they look at something on the screen and they get it right and they click that print button, that it's just going to come out of the printer exactly the same as it looked on screen. And then they get frustrated. And the reality is, is that 10 years ago, that was a much more frustrating experience for everybody than it is today. Um, you know, one of the things that happened uh, in the last decade was all of the printer vendors really decided that they needed to have great papers and great profiles for those papers, color profiles that basically said, you know, these are the colors that I can print. Let me take it from your screen, run it through a, a conversion, and then output it. And it's so much better today than it was before, especially for that sort of first group, that snapshot group. Well, the snapshot group doesn't care if the, the tone is slightly off or if there's a little bit of color shows up in a black and white print. For them, they just want the immediacy of being able to print something right away right. without the hassle of sending it out someplace or, you know, taking it down to the local Walmart or whatever you have. To, to be fair, those people are better off not using a printer, though. They're better off sending it out. You can upload your photos online. You get them a couple days later. The quality of those prints is not bad. Right. But uh, I started printing some black and white photos, and they just there was a bit of a purplish cast or a yellowish cast. And... It's frustrating. The contrast isn't quite the same. Does the Canon driver, I haven't used one of the newer Canons. Do they have a custom black and white mode in the driver? Um, I'm not sure. But I did get a printer with three different black cartridges. Right. Okay. I totally agree with you on the snapshot side, that those people, for the most part, should be printing through an online service. It's so easy nowadays to just send your stuff off and get it printed. Um, owning a, a high-quality photo inkjet printer is kind of like owning a fancy espresso machine and grinder. <laughs> you end up using a lot more coffee to get a lot less coffee coming out. <laughs> and one of the things that, that I think if you're, especially if you're thinking about fine art printing and black and white printing in particular you have to understand that you're going to have to work your print and you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to send, you, you know, I do what they call test strips. You know, I'll go through and I'll go in Photoshop and I'll go and, and adjust. I'll slice my image and I'll basically apply a local adjustment, you know, a, an adjustment layer on top of one slice and another to sort of print it out and see what do I get? What does it look like? If you've ever seen some of Ansel Adams' uh, diagrams on, you know, what he did in the darkroom, that's kind of what you got to keep doing with fine art printing. 
Yeah, back in the day in the darkroom, you would t take a cardboard mask over your printer paper and you would move it every X seconds so you would be able to note the exposure and you'd see how the contrast came out at the end. And you would get, as you say, these, these strips going from darker to lighter. Yeah, there was a great app on the Mac, God, 1998, 99, called Test Strip that did that very thing. And back then, you needed it more. I mean, Photoshop wasn't great at printing. The print drivers were not awesome either. You're only using six inks. You know, we've for years, I used to run a site called Printerville. And the reason, I mean, I loved printing, but there was a whole bunch of stuff going on in the industry for about a 10-year period. And then in 2005, 2006, it pretty much stopped. We'd reached the sort of, okay, well, this is the number of inks we're going to have, you know, eight to 10 inks. Epson kind of took over the market. Canon's been doing some stuff on the side. HP left until recently. But once people started getting the whole idea of let's get accurate profiles, let's invest in the paper, those types of things, we've stopped seeing those big jumps forward in print quality. But, you know, to get back to your first question, one of the things that I think people run into is there's so many things you can do, right? You can add soft proofing on top of it. You can play around with different profiles and things like that. I mean, the, the first thing that I do is figure out what paper I want to print on. And I buy a bunch of it. And I only print on maybe five or six different types of paper because it's like, I don't want to spend time looking at this and this and this and trying to figure out what do I have to do here. Well, I intentionally bought a few different types of Canon papers because I figured that they would be more compatible because of the profiles with the printer drivers for my printer. I have glossy, semi-matte, and matte papers. Okay. And, and I'm pretty sure that once you get at that level of paper, they're all more or less the same quality. I know there's the more expensive paper for archival prints and, and really artistic prints, but I think, you know, you're, you're up at the... The, the main printer paper brands, when you're going for A4 or 8x10 paper, it's all going to be relatively good, right? Yes, it should all be pretty good. But I I, I love paper. I mean, I've, I play, I've played around with all different types of photo paper for a long time. Um, you know, Epson's Exhibition Fiber is probably my go-to paper for most fine art images. Um, for black and white stuff, I'll use some of their matte papers. Um, Epson has definitely done the most in terms of paper and profile quality. Canon was a little bit behind, and there's some great third-party companies that have papers of their own. So as the sort of representative of the non-printing populace uh, here, can you tell me like real quick, what would I look for in getting a paper? Because just what you've described so far sounds almost overwhelming. I mean, I know that there's glossy and matte and all that, but like, what quality am I looking for? Do I want something that's more like what I would get at Walgreens? Well, it, it depends on what you want to do with your photos, doesn't it? The thing about Walgreens is they're going to run paper off a roll. That's why the prints are always curved a little bit. You can buy small sizes paper. But what I did is I bought some 3x5 and 4x6 paper to do test prints to check the color and the contrast and things like that. So you can buy paper like that. I think if you're looking for prints that size, it doesn't matter which paper you use. You may want to try glossy and matte and semi-matte and see what you prefer. But in most cases, if it's just small prints, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's when you get larger that you need to pay more attention. Yes. And I will tell you that every paper company, even, I mean, Canon, Epson, all make their own papers. But, you know, you look at Red River, you look at Moab, you look at Legacy. I mean, there's all of these companies. They all have 
test packs that are either free or inexpensive. And that's, that's how you kind of get to discover about these things. One of my favorite companies is Red River. Those guys are really great. They do high-quality paper that's less expensive than the standard guys. But they also have tons of content on their website for how to use their papers with different companies, with different printers and different operating systems. They're, they're great. You know, most of the time I print on 4 by 6 glossy that I buy in bulk. Because that's mostly what I do with with my photos is most of the ones that I print, I actually give to people or they just sit around on a desk for a while. It's like I like looking at them and then they go in a basket and, you know, someday people will go through that basket and they'll say, oh, yeah, Rick, I remember him. (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of printing. Masters of Photography is a unique online learning platform that brings together some of the world's most acclaimed photographers, the masters. You can enjoy an unprecedented insight into the way these photographers work during intimate lessons that capture their knowledge, ethos, and philosophy. I've taken the Masters of Photography course with Joel Myrowitz, one of my favorite photographers, and I was impressed by his passion for photography and his desire to transmit his knowledge to others. With more than five hours of video and 34 lessons, Joel Morowitz discusses technique, inspiration, and his career, and gives some practical tips about shooting in the street, taking portraits, and even still life photography. I strongly recommend this course with Joel Morowitz, and Masters of Photography has a special offer for photoactive listeners. Get 5% off any course with the code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to mastersof.photography and enter the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE, or use the link in our show notes. That's mastersof.photography. I really enjoyed this course, and I think you will, too. We've talked a little bit about paper, but now what about printers? So I I said I bought, uh, the printer I bought wasn't the most expensive. And unfortunately, here, I live in the UK, we don't get the kind of rebate that you sometimes get in the US, where you can actually buy a printer like that for 50 bucks, the whole razor and blades thing. So it did cost a bit more. But did I need to spend that? I mean, I, I spent an inordinate amount of time deciding which printer to buy asking on forums, looking at specs. And the main thing that I wanted was multiple black and gray cartridges to be able to do black and white printing. I could have gone for a printer twice as expensive, which I think had a couple more colors in it, but it didn't seem necessary. But is that overkill? Can you get, in Canon and Epson I was looking at, can you get a $100, 100-pound printer? Can you get good black and white out of those things when there's just a black cartridge? With just a black cartridge, no, you can't get really good black and white. I mean, you can't get bad black and white. But, I mean, it, if, again, you're thinking of fine art, of something right. you might want to put on a wall, one of the things that you notice is that those inks are not archival. So, over time, what will happen is, especially if, if you've got any real light in a room, is they'll start to get a little color cast or they'll fade a bit or, you know. Um, the idea behind the multiple blacks is to give you a little bit more stability, give you a little bit more uh, gradation in shadows and things like that, and give you deeper, richer blacks. Um, You know, one of the things that people who start out printing and get frustrated is they go, well, I'm going to do black and white and I want to do it on this beautiful matte paper because I don't want to have a high gloss black and white print. And matte papers don't take black as well as glossy papers do. I mean, they just, you know, it takes more to get those really deep, rich blacks than it does on a glossy paper. 
But and again, that's where you have to play around with things. Um, you know, most of the time when I print from Photoshop, I use system. I use Photoshop color. I choose the profile for the paper that I want, and I print that way. I never use the let the driver decide what color is going to work and what's not, um, except for black and white. Um, Epson has a really good black and white component to their driver that saves me a lot of time when I'm printing a sort of pure black and white. If I tone, if I do like a add a selenium style tone or a gold tone to something, I will print using the, the Photoshop driver. So printers come with two types of ink, pigment ink and dye ink. And that's what you were talking about. Is it the dye ink that's going to fade over time and the pigment ink that's going to last longer? That is correct. Is it worth paying more for a printer that uses pigment ink? And and I believe the cartridges cost more as well, right? Yes, they do. If you want to consider yourself a fine art printer, you're going to want a pigment-based printer. They last longer. They have wider gamut than the dye inks. And most of the fine papers are attuned to those printers. So, yes, I would definitely buy a pigment I wouldn't, if, if all you're going to do is print four by six snapshots, you can get away with pretty much anything these days. They're actually pretty darn good. You know, I've got a friend who's got like a $120 multifunction that just spits out wonderful four by six photos. Um, but that person's not really interested in putting things on their wall. Right. So the first thing I did when I got the printer is I just printed a few photos out of Apple Photos. And actually, they weren't that bad. I just used whatever default settings it suggested, and they weren't bad. As I said, I don't know if it's 3x5 or 4x6 paper that I had for testing, and, and I was quite pleased with it for the most part. But what interested me was to have something a bit larger, you know, kind of 8x10 or, or A4 over here, to be able to see my prints a little bit more. But I guess I got into this frustration. Apple Photos doesn't give you a whole lot of options, and the colors weren't ideal, and the contrast wasn't great. I don't use Photoshop and I do use Affinity Photo and their tutorials go through this whole thing with soft proofing. Now, you said before you don't even need soft proofing. Did I did I make a wrong turn on the path to printing bliss here? Well, one of the things that I see with people is when they when they start printing, they've never had a printer before, they turn on all the buttons and switches and say, "Let's go." I have to calibrate my monitor, I have to do soft proofing, I have to do all of this sort of stuff. And the reality is I, I almost never soft proof. I'm almost never. Can, can you just quickly define what soft proofing is for listeners who don't know? Soft proofing is taking a printer paper profile. So there's a profile that defines what are the colors, what is the gamut of that paper and ink combination. And when you turn on soft proofing, what it does is it attempts to show you on screen what the gamut of that paper ink combination is going to look like. So you, you turn it on almost all the time and it looks like crap. I mean, it just doesn't look good. It looks like one of those Instagram filters that makes everything hazy. Well, and but that's, you know, you're getting back to that reflective versus transmissive, you know, additive versus subtractive color thing. Oh, is that why? The number one tip oh, that okay. I give to people who want to print is turn your monitor brightness down and close the blinds in the room. When you want to print and you and you need to adjust an image so that it prints properly, you've got you've got to get that brightness down because that's what you see and the moment you put ink down on paper, it 
it gets muddy. You know, you know, it doesn't have that look that you see on screen. Yeah. And this is why I say, you know, it's like you have to practice this stuff. And again, why I say don't worry about soft proofing is it adds one more piece of complexity to something you know nothing about. Exactly. And here I am trying to tweak things to make them look like it was before I added the soft proofing layer. And I already don't know how to use this software because I'm just not a photo editing software guy. And then it just kind of made me, you know, put something on top of the printer to get it out of the way. And it's like, I haven't touched the printer in months. Yeah. So I'd step away from the soft proofing. I would practice, you know, one of the things that I did when I was, when I would review printers back in the day would, I would set up, you know, a layered document with a photo in it. And I would just sort of add adjustments to a layer and then i would just print one two three four five six seven eight nine ten you know it's back to that espresso coffee grinder thing you know you end up wasting a lot of paper and ink but over time you develop a feel for just like you have to develop a feel for your camera right you have to develop a feel for your printer yeah i mean if you want to print you've got to invest in printing just like you invest in you know composition yeah but it's supposed to be easy these are computers they're supposed to do everything for us Have you gotten to the stage where you can look at a print on screen and you just kind of know what you need to tweak to get it to come out of the printer correctly? Is that the kind of experience you develop over time? Over time, yeah. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. I had an image that uh, a friend of mine wanted a large print of about maybe three years ago. And I could not get it to print properly. It took me three, four weeks. And finally, I, I mean, they were all good. And I'm sure that whatever I had given to this woman, she would have been happy with, right? But you know, it's like you get to that point where it's like, no, this is, you know, you know, that photographic vision thing. And I finally, I showed three or four prints to my daughter, who's also a photographer and a printer. I'm like, I just don't know what to do here. And she said, give me your file. And she went in and she added another adjustment layer and did a little bit of stuff. And it turned out to be perfect. And so, you know, it's like I end up keeping what I do when I'm printing like that is I have 10 or 15 versions of that file. I do work in Photoshop, but, you know, it's like because I never know when I want to get back to that spot or this spot. So you duplicate the file and adjust on the duplicates. You know, if I'm just playing around a little bit, um, I'll just, you know, do a levels adjustment or I'll do a uh, hue and saturation adjustment and print it. What does it look like? Did it go the right direction? Yes, no, you know, but most of the time, yeah, I work with multiple versions at the print size I want it to be. Right. Before we wrap up, I'd really love to hear about the other two ends of the spectrum, because I think we're we're covering like what most people would do. But can you say something about like someone who says, I want to make big prints. I want one of those big, awesome printers so I can do something that'll cover half my wall. Is that just a matter of I'm just working with a larger medium or is that just a level of complexity that sort of goes way up because of what you're doing? No, it's not... The, the only level of complexity is dealing with images at large enough sizes to print them, you know, okay. you know, you'll have to use either Photoshop or resize software um, to sort of get your image at the proper size. Then you got to worry about things like sharpening, but 
those are relatively minor. And once, you know, as you practice with a small desktop printer, once you practice with those larger printers, you sort of know what you have to do and, and not. But if you want to print something that big, it's probably not very cost effective to spend what it costs for a printer that size for the paper that you're going to be burning up to get the print right. Wouldn't it be easier to go to some of these sort of high-end online printing services that, you know, they not only do your print, but they look at, they don't just spit out a print, they'll look at it very carefully and they'll make the adjustments because they know the paper, they know the printers and the inks. Yeah, I I will tell you that online printing of pretty much everything has gotten exponentially better in the last five years. You know, in the, in the old days, you really had to, you had to know about profiles you had to export your your files in a certain format and, and a lot of it was just sort of hoping that things would match and I, I it's crazy to me how good online print services are now um, i just printed something on glass from a company called fracture and it was reasonably priced and it looks drop dead gorgeous so so i guess when you're going for that high-end stuff it's probably better to contact one of these services than to even spend the time that it would take to do it yourself. Yeah, you have to be a printer geek. You have to be yeah. a printer geek to really want to do this. I've got, I've got five printers now, and that's down from a few years ago. But I've got you know a small Epson desktop. I've got two large format. I've got an HP twenty four inch wide, an Epson forty four inch wide. I've got uh, another Epson sort of mid range printer um, and you have to you have to work those printers or they tend to clog up and yeah if you print a lot but it's so expensive the cartridges the paper do you buy non-official cartridges compatible cartridges no i don't really yeah, Does yeah. It, do you think it makes that much of a difference because they're i don't know four or five times as expensive to buy the brand cartridges for the pigment based printers yes i mean i've done oh the, okay I've done the third-party stuff on the dies because the dies are pretty much the same. Okay. But, you know, you know, you talk about getting your prints matched properly, right? All of a sudden, you add someone else's ink to the printer. You're changing the, you know, the whole equation right. again, and it's one more thing. This is the thing about printing: is it's like you keep adding one more thing to the thing, and it's like, why doesn't my 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 print look good? <laughs> and it's like, well, somewhere along the line, it got mashed on. And you're not quite sure. So the other side of that, and I don't know how much experience you have, but I was recently surprised to learn that little Instax prints are wildly popular. Again, the little tiny, you know, Fuji Instax printers that are like almost instant printers, they're super popular. They sell a whole bunch. Anything to know about that? Or is that just here they are, they spit out moderate little things and they're fun and that's it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're fun. You talk about expensive, though. I mean, that's, you know, I used to have a Polaroid habit. And, you know, you spend a lot of money getting those pretty little photos, I think it's about but, a buck a print know, I mean, um, for the paper. Yeah. But again, if, you know, from my perspective, if that gets people printing, that's wonderful. Right. What, I, what I've read about them is that they're popular because people like the immediacy that they can take a picture and give it to someone, not put it on Instagram and send them a link, not email it to them but they'll have something they hold. Of course, they're quite tiny. They're about credit card size. I know there's a square format that's come out recently that's a little bit larger. I think it's an intriguing idea. I was actually tempted to buy one of those until I saw the price of the the, the paper. And it just seems 
you know, like I'd end up throwing a lot of stuff away. Yeah. Rick, thank you very much. I hope that many of our listeners who might have been like me with a printer gathering dust will now go back to the printer and start trying it out again. If you do, post on our Facebook group or drop us a line and let us know how you've done. And if you have any specific papers that you like or printers or anything like that, let us know. Rick, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. It was fun. So it's time for our snapshots. Jeff, what have you got this week? So talking about prints and snapshots and and uh, everything with Rick made me think of a service called moo.com, M-O-O.com. And they do prints. They are a printer. They got their start printing business cards. And the cool thing about these business cards, they have good paper, good print quality, etc. But they were the first to come up with this idea of having a photo on the back of the card. So you upload a photo of yours and it gets printed on one side. But what was unique was that you could upload as many photos as you wanted and you can get 50 cards and have 50 different images on the backs. Or you could you know, get 50 cards and you know, maybe uh, have five uh, different images. It's not terribly expensive. You can get 50 cards for like 20 bucks. And I've also printed cards and other prints and things. If you're a photographer and you have reason to hand out business cards, even if you are, you know, let's say you are a street shooter and you want to give your card to somebody because you took their picture, having your information on one side and a representative photo on the back is really helpful. So moo.com. That's a really good idea. You know, I've thought about that. As I've probably mentioned, I live next to a farm and there's a farm shop right next to me. It's a tiny thing, garage size. There's no one that mans it. You just leave your money in a box. And I see all these people coming in and out, particularly in summer. There are people who come to a caravan park a bit down the road. And I keep thinking, you know, I don't shoot people, but it's really tempting to do that. But then I'm going to have to explain to them, okay, I'm an amateur photographer. And uh, if you give me your email address, but that's a great idea to have a card to give to someone. I might look into that. So it's kind of it's wintry now, but for next summer, that might give me a way to approach human beings and take pictures of them. They also have these mini cards. So you don't have to be like a sort of, you know, businessy business card of like a standard business card size. You have these little tiny ones that are, they're actually sort of more casual, a little less formal, and therefore a little more friendly. When my wife and I first had our daughter and she was a baby, there's this odd thing when you have a baby, people just come and talk to you. And sometimes you strike up friendships. Sometimes, you know, you, you meet new friends. And like we made a small set of these cards to, uh, that was just, you know, our names, a picture of our daughter. And every once in a while, you would know, like hand them to somebody. And some of those people are still our friends. So um, it's it's neat, it's inexpensive, and it's just fun to give out. Kirk, how about you this week? What do you have? Well, this is good timing. We're talking about printing, but you only have one day for this. A couple of times a year, Magnum does what they call a square print sale. And this episode is released on Friday morning until the end of the day, let's see, midnight Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. You can buy one of 120 prints by very well-known photographers. They cost $100 each. They are all signed or estate stamped. And estate stamped means that the photographer is no longer alive, but the estate has approved it. These are tiny prints. They're six by six inches. Uh, if it's a square photo, it takes up most of the paper. If it's not square, there's, you know, white on top and the bottom. I'm just going to mention a few of the photographers who show up on this list. Martin Parr, Joel Meyerowitz, Bruce Davidson, Robert Kappa, 
Elliot Erwitt, Todd Heido, Alex Webb, Don McCullen, 120 photographers. And some of these photos are really beautiful. So there's two things. One is you'd get a really nice photo from a famous photographer. But the second is it would be a signed photo for any of them who are alive. Unfortunately, I wanted to buy some the last time this came around. Shipping overseas is expensive. Plus, you get hit for over here 20% VAT. It makes them way too expensive. But check it out. There's a link in the show notes. You might find a photo by your favorite photographer that you've always wanted to own. And for 100 bucks, you can get a copy signed and frame it and put it up on your wall. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 5% off any course at Masters of Photography with the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. That's PHOTOACTIVE in one word. Until next week, thanks again for listening.